Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, March 17th, 2021. Well, as I read the passages this morning for Revival from the Bible, I was reminded that it was this set of passages that kicked off a really daily revival from the Bible one year ago. We started the revival from the Bible plan in January of 2020, but it was one year ago, actually it was on March uh, 16th, but with these passages that we started putting out something. Back then it was a video every day um, to focus partly on what we were going through in our Bible reading. Now, why were we doing that? Well, that's because the world, the whole world was shutting down around us. And we went through a stretch where we couldn't get into the school. We couldn't meet. We were doing everything online uh, and we wanted to stay as connected as we could as a church family throughout that time. And One way we wanted to do that was revival from the Bible, talking about God's word every single day. And as we come back to this passage, really, that was the first passage that we started talking about on revival from the Bible, I've been encouraged just to reflect on how good and how faithful God is. We started with Psalm 36 a year ago with the first six verses, and let me read them for you. It says, transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes, for he flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and do good. He plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast, you save, O Lord. And while I loved coming back to those uh, words, especially in verses five and six, which get us thinking about the steadfast love of God, reaching to the heavens and his faithfulness to the clouds and his righteousness and his judgments. And I hope that as we've all now gone a year, even though it may have seemed like two or three or 10 years, uh, we can reflect on all of these attributes being shown true over the last year. Have we not seen God be faithful? Uh, Even I think about that personally. I think about that to our church, how our church, what, what we talked about in that video that we released a year ago was how, hey, we're going to have to change how we do some things as a church, at least temporarily, but we're not going to stop with our mission of making disciples. We are going to continue to push ahead in teaching God's word and ministering to one another. And I'm so encouraged at how I look back and have seen that happen. I've seen people put their trust in Christ. I've seen people grow in their faith. I've seen people be built up, continue to see people added to our church and get connected and and really find themselves growing in their faith. We brought on a new pastor at our church over the last year. God has been incredibly good to us. 
And we see this in stark contrast to so many of the things that we see in the world around us. I mean, there in verse one, it says, transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes. And again, another thing we see in our world is less and less of anything resembling the fear of God. And so over the last year, I think it may be fair to say we've seen the world get worse And probably we might be able to say that every year until Jesus comes back. But in the midst of a world that rejects God, in the midst of a world that doesn't fear God, we see a God who is full of steadfast love, faithfulness, righteousness, and justice, and salvation. What a great God. And I want to just encourage you today to reflect over the last year. I don't know what you were doing a year ago today, but the world around us was changing. And that, I'm sure, affected your life in some way. How have you seen the love of God over this last year? How have you seen the faithfulness of God? How have you been encouraged by looking to the justice and the righteousness of God and really rejoicing in the salvation of God? I think it's important. One thing we've seen reading through the whole Bible now since we started this doing videos a year ago and then eventually switching to a podcast. One thing we've seen is God cares that his people don't forget. He wants us to remember. So I want to encourage you today to remember and to reflect and to use today to to really set up a monument uh, celebrating the faithfulness and the love and the righteousness of God and how you have seen that over the last year. Because we have no idea what this next year is going to bring. I have no idea what the circumstances are going to be. I have no idea what's going to go on in our nation or our community. But what I do know is that we'll, a year from now, be looking back and saying, wow, look at the steadfast love, the faithfulness, the righteousness, and the justice of God. And that's an encouraging thing. And one reason why we are always going to press ahead and continue to minister and continue to make disciples is because of what what we're talking about. The Bible is a message that will endure. The word of God has power because God cannot be stopped. And I want us to consider a couple passages that make us think about that now. And the first is going to come from Matthew 22, 23 through 33. It's a passage I like to call uh, Seven Brothers for a Bride uh, in a play off the old movie where the, the Sadducees, who remember, they don't believe in a resurrection. That's why they're so sad, you see. But they come and they try to challenge Jesus on this whole resurrection thing because the, the custom was, the instruction was, hey, if a, a wife dies without having any kids, right? So, or sorry, if the a wife has a husband who dies without having any kids. Uh, that, that would be devastating economically, especially to her. She has no husband to provide. She has no kids to provide. She is a widow. Uh, that's a very tough in that society, economic place to be. Still is in many ways today, but even more so uh, back then. And so the custom was then if that deceased husband had brothers. Well, one of them was to take the wife in as his wife to provide for her. And so they come up with this question, this scenario where there's seven brothers and each one dies. And so at some point, this woman has been married to all seven brothers and they try to stick it to Jesus. Well, in the resurrection, whose wife is she going to be? Right. This is the next round of stump Jesus. 
And Jesus, he kind of corrects um, their view and says, hey, well, there's not marriage in heaven. They're not given in marriage. And that's another thing that people trip up on. But let's put that to the side for the moment. But the biggest thing is, is guys, you don't understand the Bible. That's what he starts with in verse 29. You are wrong, he says to the Sadducees, because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Wow. And we see Jesus there putting some some power onto God in what God says in the scriptures. These are powerful things that are worth knowing, that are worth sharing. And that's what we always want to be committed to do. And Jesus makes an argument here, really, that should bolster our faith in the scriptures. He says, as for the resurrection of the dead, Have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. And here, when we think about, well, why do I trust the Bible as God's word? And especially, why do I trust that even the very words of the Bible have been inspired or breathed out by God? Well, the reason, one of the reasons I believe that is because Jesus believed it. And Jesus didn't just think, oh, you know, there's some good concepts in there. No, he, down to the very words, down to the grammar. He bases this whole argument on grammar that God says, I am the God of Abraham. God, he doesn't say, I was the God of Abraham. I was the God of Isaac. I was the God of Jacob. No, I am the God of Abraham because Abraham is still alive, right? He, he is with the Lord. And so he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And so Jesus makes this really compelling argument that should bolster our faith in the scriptures. Because what God said is is going to endure. And speaking of God being unstoppable, we see another example of that in Numbers. Numbers 22 through 23. And this is probably one of the few stories from Numbers that you are familiar with because it includes a talking donkey. And well, that's just more Sunday school material right there. But this is the story of Balaam. Well, what's, what's going on with the story of Balaam? Well, right now, the people of Israel are on the eastern side of the Jordan River, so they have not crossed over into what you would think of the nation of Israel as today, the the promised land. Um, But they're they're still on that side of the river, and the kingdom of Moab is afraid because the Israelites have started to conquer uh, some of the kingdoms there on that side of the Jordan. So the king of Moab is very afraid. So he goes out and gets this prophet for hire named Balaam, and, and to get him to come and curse the, the people of Israel. And that might actually be in a, you know, in an unrighteous way, kind of shrewd by the king of uh, Moab, this man named Balak, because he realizes, well, I can't beat these people military. And, and he knows that it's not their military that's causing them to win. It's something spiritual. And so he tries to attack them in a spiritual way. Uh, and so he brings in Balaam to curse them. And then we read the story of the, the donkey uh, speaking because the angel of the Lord is there in the way. And clearly God is upset with Balaam, even though he's, it seems that Balaam is really trying to work the system here. And I don't think he's always being genuine in what we read here. And I think he is out for money first and foremost. Um, but then when we finally get down to it, Balaam cannot curse the people of Israel. He He attempts to, but he only blesses them. And that's where, again, what God purposes to do, no human can stop. 
And hopefully that's something that encourages us, even again, as we look out into the unknown of what's going to happen this next year. Well, I don't know, but God's purposes will be advanced. Nothing can stop God, that no scheme of wicked men like Balak and Balaam can stop what God has planned to do. And I hope that encourages us. And I hope that also gives us a boldness to keep declaring the gospel. And that's what we see happening in Acts 24, verses 14 through 27, as Paul shares the gospel. We kind of pick it up in the middle of him giving a defense before Felix, the Roman governor. And uh, as he does so, you know, what we saw yesterday, he's very calm. He's just very matter of fact in, in, in stating, stating his case and explaining, I wasn't causing any trouble. What these men are saying to you is not true. And he, he gives his defense before uh, Felix. But one thing we see is that uh, Felix, this isn't the first encounter he has had with Christianity. It says in some ways that he is familiar with and refers to Christianity as the way. He says he has a rather accurate knowledge of the way. And he's also apparently influenced by money because he is uh, hoping that Paul's going to give him some money. But he brings Paul and Paul would speak to him. And look at what Paul would speak to him about. And it says, and Paul reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment. Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. And when I get an opportunity, I will summon you. So when Paul gets a chance in other settings to actually talk to Felix, it sounds like he's going hard after the gospel and that he is even pointing out Felix's sin and warning Felix of the coming judgment to such an extent that Felix is alarmed by this. Paul was bold. And he knew, hey, God was going to accomplish his purpose through him. And even if it ended in in martyrdom, it wasn't going to happen a moment before God had planned for it to happen. So he is bold in declaring the gospel. And again, as we look back over the last year and we see the steadfast love and the faithfulness of God, and now as we look forward to a new year where who knows what is going to happen, may we be faithful. A year ago today, we were saying, hey, we're not going to stop. We're going to keep pushing ahead to make disciples. May that be true now and even more than ever. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.